Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU. Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Happy Thursday morning to you. It's the 14th day of July, and uh, I'm Andy Griffin. Thank you for tuning in on this warm morning. We're already close to 90 degrees, and it's 9 o'clock in the morning, but that's the way things go when you live in Utah's Dixie. We have Mayor Crest Staley here on Mayor Thursday from Washington City, and a guy who knows a little bit about heat and power and stuff like that. Uh, Rick is here, too. Rick, I I wrote down your last name. Rick Hanson? Yeah, Hanson. Yes, Hanson. How are you doing today, man? Thanks We're for coming. We're doing great, thanks. Yeah, doing all right, Mayor? Absolutely. Yeah. We uh, got uh, Washington City had a movie night the other night. I got to see. Uh, I'm, you, you weren't there, were you? Oh, you were yeah. there. Okay. My wife was checking everybody in, and after a while, it's like, I'm going to go sit down. <laughs> but uh, Cress was there. We got to see the Thor. Uh, what was it called? Love and War or Love and Thunder? Love and Thunder. Thunder. <laughs> Love and Thunder, yeah. Something like that. Uh, the ratings, uh, uh, the reviews on that movie are out, and uh, it's getting a very average score. Not great, not bad, just pretty average. So, did you guys have fun, though? Yeah, it was good. Free popcorn and drinks, right? Yeah, it was a great event. You know, we've, we've got a lot of really hardworking employees, so it was fun to have our kind of our summer activity there. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. My wife had a cool little spreadsheet. She was checking people in and making sure there were seats for everyone and and all that stuff. But uh, were you in that the, the first theater or the second one? That, oh, I believe it was the first one. At number four, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, it was a packed house in there, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we weren't quite so crowded in the in the other theater. So, uh, but uh, it was it was a it was fun. It was a fun night. So, uh, my I got to get some WD forty on my mic boom here. It's making all kinds of noises. But anyway, uh, guys, thanks for coming in today. Let's talk a little bit. Uh, first of all, about power. Uh, Rick, I was telling you before we went on that we had a pretty good discussion early in the week about sources of power. And um, as much, as, and I don't want to turn this real political, but as much as a lot of the uh, uh, climate change people want us to go to solar and wind, it's a little early to think about stuff like that. I mean, at this point, we've we've got to get our power from something else besides those two sources. Would you Would you agree with that? Yes, I, I think uh, solar and wind are part of the puzzle, mm-hmm. uh, but they're not the end-all solution. That, we we uh, can't cut everything off just to, and be on those two yet. Right, and we need to figure out a way to transition to, I think everybody's for cleaner air, mm-hmm. uh, but I think we need to figure out ways to make that transition from where we're at to where we need to be without breaking the bank. Uh, there are technologies like batteries that can help extend solar and wind. Mm-hmm. But they're generally in a four-hour type time frame, so it's still not a, a equivalent to a baseload type resource that you can turn on and run when you need it, as you need it. And that's the big challenge with the renewables. Well, let me ask you that there's a real movement for people wanting to get electric vehicles, electric cars. What will that do, or will it really affect the power grid very much if, say, half of the population is driving an EV? I think it could have a significant impact, uh, particularly when you think people are going to come home from work and plug in, plug in their car about the same time that's the hottest time of the time of the day. Yeah, five o'clock. And yeah. our peaks are already very temperature dependent. So, I could foresee uh, sometime in the future we'd have some sort of rate structure that would incentiv- incentivize people 
to charge at different times uh, as that becomes more common hmm. on our system. Never so, thought about that. Yeah. Uh, hey, if you won't charge it till midnight or something, you might be able to get, you know, maybe a, a little bit of money off your bill or something. And, and it might be interesting to note, it, it might even be around noon because of solar. Oh, That's uh, yeah. right now it tends to drive some of the wholesale power prices down in the noon to one o'clock time frame. It's almost ironic, is, isn't it? Almost opposite of what you would think. Yeah, and it's it's flipped what the traditional dynamics have been for wholesale power. Normally, you'd think in the middle of the night uh, would be the cheapest, yeah. uh, and that's true to an extent. But this last year, we've seen uh, the evening prices come up quite a bit. It's a, it's a, a fascinating to think about. I don't, I don't know that I want it to be a reality just yet, but I know our administration in the, in the country is moving toward, you know, let's get as much electric as we can. I feel like a hybrid is a lot better answer because then you're charging your battery yourself by, by driving your car around. And you, you still have to use some gas, but maybe half as much as you might use a, of a car of the same size that has a complete combustion engine. So, But that's fascinating to think about, Rick, with the how much power is an electric vehicle going to use? And, boy, when I get home from work, yeah, I'm going to want to plug it in so that it's ready for me the next morning or the exactly. next day, especially if I have, say, a trip coming or, or something like that. So so those will be the challenges or some of the challenges we face, you know, uh, moving to more of a carbon-free electrical grid or source um, has its challenges with our current load, and then you add transportation on top of that, it, it makes it even more of a challenge. Do we as humans in modern St. George or Washington, Utah, uh, use a lot more power than, say, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago? On average, I don't, I don't think uh, we use a, a ton more. We have you know, more efficient appliances, True. And lighting, and, and those kind of things. Uh, where we see, obviously, our biggest growth is they sent the second highest number of building permits in Washington City this last year, and last mm-hmm. year was the highest. So that's where most of our growth is coming from. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, I was thinking, we, oh, we use so much more electronic stuff. But, uh, yeah, the, the light bulbs are more efficient. Uh, refrigerators are more efficient. Uh, even cars, you know, talk about electric vehicles, they're starting to get better and better. So they're more efficient as well. So Correct. Uh, game changers, I guess. We may use more, but we've also gotten better at figuring out how to use it better. So. And I know the the city even, uh, they're using some hybrid vehicles in our fleet now. Mm-hmm. That uh, I was talking to the fleet manager yesterday, and he's, they're getting over 40 miles a gallon. So wow. uh, he's been pleased with the performance of those in the right application. I'll never forget the first time I saw, uh, um, you know, they, they do the suggested or not suggested the uh, optimal miles per gallon when you buy a car or whatever. And uh, I think it was the Prius was one of the first ones that was a hybrid. And it was uh, like, I don't know, 35 highway and 45 city. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> that's backward because they've always been the other way around. But I guess with the electric cars, that's the way or the hybrid cars. That's the way it works. huh? Yeah, because you're using the braking to charge your battery. So. Mm. Very cool, very cool. Rick Hansen is here, uh, the power czar. Can I call you a czar? You ever been called a czar before, Rick? No. <laughs> I'll, I'll get the cards ordered. We'll change the title. Yeah. Power czar for uh, Washington City. Of course, Mayor Crest Staley is here as well. Crest, man, you know, when you think about all the things that go into managing a city, all these little factors, you don't really think that much about 
oh, our electric car is going to factor in our power bills and the grid, and and will it be, be there be such a, a burden on the grid that we'll have brownouts or blackouts? I guess that's stuff that you have to worry about, not me. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm fortunate as a mayor to you know come into uh, to a city with um, with an administration and department heads that are that are seasoned that that have been tackling these challenges for a long time, and mm-hmm. so. Certainly, you know, Rick's among those department heads that, that makes it easy for us to, to run a utility. I mean, Washington City is, is an old city, but we're fairly young. I mean, we, only, we, we acquired our utility, our power utility in 1987 from Rocky Mountain. Wow. And yeah. so as, as our, our little town has, has kind of boomed, um, you know, we've, we've grown and kept up with it. And so, How old were you in 1987, Chris? Oh, goodness. I would have been 12 years old. 12. Okay. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Same, I was... I was at the sixth grade center with Jeremy Larkin. Okay, there okay. you go. There you go. I was on a mission in '87. So <laughs> we wanted. Should we ask where Rick was in '87? Well, I'd been married for three years, so oh, a little bit older than you a guys. Bit ahead of us, yeah. So uh, wow, '87. Okay, when was uh, Washington City founded? I mean, how, how did that process go? Where you bought the power? You bought the power company. You started owning, you know, Washington City Power. How did that work? Yeah. Rick, do you know a little more about that? Well, way back, uh, the area or some of the Washington City and other cities as well were served by a company called uh, CalPAC or California National. Okay. And Utah Power at the time acquired them. And when they acquired the system, uh, the PSC, this is my remembrance from many years ago, uh, required them or uh, the cities were allowed within a certain time frame to purchase their systems and hurricane uh santa clara washington uh, were among those that uh, per- purchased the system mm-hmm. from exercised that right there were other cities that chose not to so did this calpac still own it or did upnl at this point own it upnl okay which was the predecessor to uh pacific core and then now rocky mountain power okay okay so uh do uh i've heard a few people say that power rates are higher in washington city than some of the other is that true or i I don't know i I don't live in washington anymore i've been three years now since we moved Mm -hmm. out but that is correct uh we're about on par with rocky mountain uh so we're we're higher than the other municipalities and that's primarily due to uh, our wholesale resource mix and those costs associated with those okay uh, is, is that if I'm going to buy a house in Washington City, say I live in Hurricane or I live in Santa Clara or whatever, uh, is it a big enough difference that it would maybe make me not want to buy a house or make me make me think twice about it? I guess it's something that, you know, you'd obviously want to consider. Mm-hmm. I, I personally don't think it generally is going to drive it. I think your neighborhood and other amenities and, and things you're looking for would be probably take precedence over so it's not that, that big a difference where i'm going to go i'm not buying here even though grandma lives two doors down and i have a swimming pool i'm you know it's not that kind of thing it's, it's not going to say no and it, and it depends too i mean if you're a very high user that difference mm, is larger good point, good point. if yeah. you're an average user uh the difference isn't as significant and this, as you know, and as every one of us that pays bills know, this is the time of year when you're using a, a lot of power. Uh, I don't even I don't even know what the average bill would be. I mean, if you have an electric air conditioner, it's not going to be cheap, right? 
No, no. Uh, the average usage this time of year at least doubles what it is, you mm-hmm. know, in December, January, and those kind of things. So, uh, you know, you can do things like probably the biggest thing you can do is keep your thermostat as high as you can tolerate. I would <laughs> say at least 76 degrees or maybe a couple degrees higher. Um, you know, and don't set it at 70 degrees and expect a low power bill. Yeah. Um, and we've been lucky with thermos, modern thermostats. You can correct. say set it at maybe maybe you go 74 at, in the evening when you're home. But if that house is empty all day, you know, correct. if the house is empty from 8 to 5, why not bump it up? You know, the modern thermostat, you can program it and have it be 80 degrees during the day. And then right before you get home, kick the air back on. Correct, correct. So and we actually have a an incentive or rebate program that helps people uh, with smart thermostats. So very cool, very cool. I I I'm not smart enough to operate my thermostat. That's how smart my thermostat is. It's got all these buttons and and screens and stuff. And I'm like, uh, this is as bad as a sprinkler system. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyway, all right. Uh, thank you, Rick. We're going to talk more with Rick. Let's uh, turn over to Chris and, and talk for a minute about what's coming up a week from Saturday. That is July 23rd. And everybody's like, well, wait, the holiday is July 24th this year. It's on a Sunday. And uh, I think uh, rightfully uh, so. We're going to celebrate on the Saturday. I know it's a religious, for the most part, religious community. I'm okay with moving the festivities to a Sunday. I know some people will complain, but. I'm okay with it. Yeah, so we're excited about Pioneer Day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just good old fashioned fun. We've we've been having this activity at our veterans park for a number of years, and and it's it's uh, the church community initiates and the city supports that. But you know, it starts out with at seven a.m. with uh, the Lions wait, wait, Club. Wait, let, me, let me ask you a question before you get going. <laughs> okay, I'm thinking about the drought that we're in. Has it? I mean, you've been here how long, Chris? You've been here your whole life. Yes. Do you ever remember? pioneer day celebration getting rained out or getting muddy or sloppy because i it doesn't rain that often on on july 24th yeah i I guess it depends on those monsoon rains right when it rains it pours if those monsoons are coming through but usually it's dry and then if Mm -hmm. if we get if we get that uh that heat you know 107 108 and we 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 risk the monsoon rains and and flooding events but yeah it's, there's actually a flash flood warning right now for Zion National Park and some of the higher elevations. Uh, the weather forecast is kind of funny. I get a forecast from from uh, weather the National Weather Service every morning, and they'll say, "Oh, 25 percent chance of rain today." I'm like, "It's not going to rain. Come on, who do you think we're talking to here?" So, not by now. Okay, back to the <laughs> schedule now for next. Uh, not this Saturday. Not two days from now, but nine days from now. Yeah. So it's pretty low key, but it, but it's a lot of fun if you're just looking for a way to you know get out with your family and interact with the community. Uh, the Lions Club does a wonderful breakfast. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know, pancakes and and sausage, and uh, so they'll be there cooking at the pavilion there at Veterans starting at seven a.m. And do we serve hot chocolate? Considering it's going to be eighty-five degrees <laughs> at seven a.m. No, I think probably I, not. The, you know, you know they, they they keep it interesting with what drinks are in the in the cooler there maybe for breakfast so or yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, okay. maybe chocolate milk <laughs> but okay. it's always fun you know that, that we've got a great lions club there and, and you know they continue to support this uh, by 8 a.m. we'll have a we'll have a parade it's right you know down 300 east and then turns right on the telegraph and so uh, it's just kind of a you know hometown fun and then after that there will be a, a number of just activities there in the park you know, things from 
you know, like the fishing ponds and, mm-hmm. you know, the foot races. And I have been, uh, you know, in, in the past, it's kind of been church assignment type stuff. Yes. Uh, and I have run that fishing booth probably <laughs> five, six, seven times over the years. So yeah. a lot of fun. And I guarantee you're going to catch something if you come to my booth. <laughs> well, and, you know, with, with the city supported and with, you know, that kind of the church sponsored there, we're, we're, we're trying to keep the cost of any of the activities that cost, you know, down really, really low. low. But that'll be the yeah. face painting and, you know, the popsicles and snow cones and just pizza and entertainment. It's just, it's low-key. And by the time the sun gets too hot, by the time, you know, it's noon and you're charging your Tesla, it's probably time to go home. But... <laughs> All right. So, and then, but later on, there's more stuff later as it starts to cool down again. Yeah. So, traditionally, uh, St. George has done the fireworks for the community on the 4th of July. In Washington, we've done the fireworks kind of in the valley on the 24th of July. So, okay. so uh, by the 24th of July, I mean Pioneer Day. And so, this year is obviously the 23rd. So, those, yeah. those start right around 10 p.m. And we launch those from, you know, the community center and, and baseball, softball fields up there. And, and do you mind me asking who, who actually puts on the fireworks? Like, who's actually lighting those things? Yeah, so that's going to be our fire department. Really? That, so that, Matt's uh, going to be out there with a the, with the little uh, torch? And, yeah, I'm not sure if, if he, he himself will, will. Oh, he's got to. But, <laughs> you know, he runs a tight ship. So. Uh, that, that'll be, okay, so fireworks. This Again, this is all a week from Saturday, the July 23rd. Uh, we'll have our 24 celebration in Washington City, including a parade, booths, all that fun stuff. Yeah, and it's just it's a great opportunity to just kind of step back and you know reflect on that you know that heritage of you know those settlers coming west, and then and then those of us that, those that drew the short end of the straw and came south to to grow cotton in this desert. And yeah, you have been called, Mister <laughs> Staley, to come down oh. and uh, settle place that gets 108 in the summertime. Yeah. So I think I think it's okay to you know give a tip of the hat to to those that that, that got here before we did before any uh, AC and energy efficient appliances. Are you are you familiar with how it came to be that kind of Fourth of July was St George twenty fourth Washington? How, how did that end up that way? Do you know? Yeah, I wish I knew better. I'll have to ask probably probably Mayor Clove and Mayor MacArthur back in the day. We we're talking a little bit about it, and that's the one thing that with our communities, we all have such a good relationship and mm-hmm. interact so well together that some of those things can just be a conversation and understanding. And you know, we we kind of lead out also on Veterans Day, and and that's one of the big holidays. But we 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 kind of spread it around so that. So that uh, you know, one city's kind of the, the sponsor or the spotlight for the for the celebration for the holiday. Okay, I like it. You you okay to take a phone call? We got absolutely Seth, Seth hanging on. What's absolutely. up, Seth? You doing all right? Um, yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. All right. Um, who invented radio? Marconi. Wrong. No. Tesla. Yes. Okay. You got. The- he got the patent after Marconi stole all his ideas. <laughs> well, well, didn't Tesla or didn't uh, Edison steal some of them too? The, the Edison wasn't the brightest bulb, and he, he just <laughs> ah, no pun intended, right? Yeah, a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. So <laughs> Tesla knew from the beginning what to do. Anyway, the point is that uh, we sort of ignore everything as far as power. But Tesla said he could put up a transmitter and transmit free power. You plug your house into the ground, and you have all the free power you could ever use for the rest of your life for free. 
Okay, how, how, how does that work? Well, he uh, set up his transmitter in uh, um, in Colorado. He funded a power station, and at night he took the power that wasn't being used and and lit up light bulbs 26 miles, screwed into the ground. Wow. All documented, all uh, photographed, uh, no question whatsoever, and we're still bumbling around with solar and gasoline and diesel fuel when, in fact, there's unlimited power. And part of it is that if you every three feet from your ground, let's, let's take Andy, for example, at a hundred at three feet, there's a hundred volts available, and at his height, there's two hundred volts yeah. right above his head. Really? Yes. And if we could access that power, which Tesla did 120 years ago, um, put an antenna up, and uh, the voltage is very high, but the amperage is very low. But there is technology available to convert that into usable power if you could light a light bulb with this same power. So we're swimming in an ocean of energy generated through and by the sun and by our atmosphere and by the earth. Why is it that we continue to do the same stupid thing over and over again so that a a few people who own the power companies can, uh, by the way, when Tesla demonstrated this, they set out to kill him. Yeah, yeah, because Uh it was going to cost a lot of people a lot of money, probably. There you go. (laughs) Instead of humanity prospering with free power as much as you want, what if you put an antenna on the St. George Temple? Hmm. Could it be that there's enough power um, I study botany, I study the trees at the temple, and there's a, a lot of people died at the temple site because Brigham Young decided to build it in a swamp. In a swamp, yeah. Yeah, we know the story. Because the swamp makes a real good ground. Hmm. Okay. And that every temple in Utah, and I guess around the world, are built over water sources. Ooh, I did not know that. I wonder it, it, why we're doing that. In other words, there may be tens of thousands of volts available well, at a spire on a temple. Well, let's let's let uh, Rick here comment on the thought of energy all around us. It, have we just not figured out how to harness it, Rick? Is is that the problem, or it, is it, it must be? It's something I'll I'll have to look into. I must <laughs> I, I missed that class in college, so okay. Okay, I mean, but thank you. You know, he makes Seth makes a good point in that, and I have a couple There's of other theories. Ways. I have a, a couple of theories of my own. For instance, I think that they could make a tire that could last for ten, twenty years, and instead they make these flimsy tires, and they tell you you've got a sixty thousand mile guarantee on it, and after twenty thousand miles, you need new tires again, and they're like, "Well, we'll give you three dollars back." So. Uh, so I think almost every industry there's there's the money angle, and certainly power is one of them. But uh, you know, I, I think there are plenty of theories out there about how we could get more power. But don't you think people are trying to get the best ways that we can? I mean, I right, right, Rick? Is are we doing the best so. we can? I yeah. believe so. I've spent my my career uh, looking at that, and 
like I say, I, I'm not familiar with that particular experiment and, and uh, might have to look into it. Well, and the thing about money ruling is if there is a better way, power-wise, then the people who have all the money are going to find a way to use it. And that will actually, I think, for the most part, benefit us all, right? You know, I mean, that, that's, that's the idea because we'll all go and buy that instead if there is a better way. It's like I think we would all buy that tire that would last 10 to 20 years instead of the one that we buy that costs us $200 and right. lasts for 18 months. So I've got to get a weather break in, and uh, we will uh, be back with more. Rick Hansen and Crest Staley, Washington City, are here with me. Guys, hang on just a minute. Punching holes in the liberal agenda. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 92.5 KDXU. Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Oh, we always have such good discussion when the microphones are off. We probably ought to leave them on at some point and, and talk about that. But, uh, Mayor Crest Staley is here along with Rick Hansen from Washington City. He's the power czar. C Z A R. Make sure you spell it right on his card when you order those, okay? Uh, let's talk a little bit about city. Yeah, city council last night was it? Yes, yes. Yeah. What What was accomplished last night for Washington City? You were talking about uh, approval of some funds. Yeah. So uh, you know, years ago, the voters approved uh, uh, RAP, which is Recreation Arts and Parks. So we had a number of of uh, RAP applications mm-hmm. for for things that that add to the community and. And I think the big ticket item that we approved last night was LED lights on our Little League baseball field. Really? So hmm. we were, I was excited about that. The, the council approved uh, $300,000 to replace just, you know, those fields are really old. Uh, it got to the point where it was a, really a safety issue. And so uh, when that application came forward, the council recognized that that, um, that, that fits within the the parameters of, of RAP funding. And so okay. that was the big ticket item. And we're excited to you know, continue to support Little League and softball and all those things that make a community. I wonder if you could maybe have a discussion with our friends at the school district about making the football fields a little more well lit. Because, and Rick can probably attest to this, as you get older, you don't see as well in dim lighting. And uh, there's nothing like, uh, and I've complained about this to my wife before, and she's like, ah, oh, shut up, you're fine. But, um, uh, I go to a football game, and, you know, I broadcast games, and a team will be wearing black, and they'll have dark maroon numbers. And I'm sitting there in a press box, already dealing with the glare of the window in the press box, and I got my binoculars out trying to figure out if that's an 8 or a 9 or a 3 or a 6. And, yeah, so we need LED lights everywhere, I'm thinking. Yeah. How much do those save, Rick, LED versus uh, traditional lighting? Oh, what's up there now? It'll On energy, it would probably be, I would bet, less than half is what they'll use that's uh, incredible i haven't Actually, seen the specs yeah. on what they're putting up but that would be my estimate and it'll be brighter and much better one of the things we were talking about during the break was the fact that uh part of the power grid part of the uh, sources of energy that we have is hydroelectric and because we're in such a drought right now, because we're hurting, that's actually down, too. As well as everything else that we're, you know, them shutting down coal plants and things like that, we're having a little difficulty with hydroelectric right now, aren't we, Rick? That's correct. The The main dams on Mead and, and Glen Canyon, uh, they're probably about half, maybe three-quarters mm. of the output. So they are operating, but they're just not operating optimally right now. Correct, correct. And, and of course, that... that tends to make the the 
utilities that take power from that, they have to look elsewhere to fill that gap that they're no longer getting there. And so it uh, tends to supply and demand. It, it raises prices overall everywhere. With, with the growth we have, Rick, it, it, do you foresee a time where we might have to plan, you know, brownouts or, or, or scheduled times where we shut the power grid down to certain areas uh, in Washington City? Is that ever going to happen here? Well, I certainly hope not. Uh, we, we spend a lot of time and money to avoid that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there could be uh, the whole county is fed from uh, four lines that come from central, about 25 north miles north of here. That's where Seth is from. And uh, (laughs) if, like, a fire or something were to take those lines out, that would be our probably our biggest threat or uh, possible problem for the county. What would happen if the fire took those lines out? Would would we be without power for a while here, or? Yeah, uh, the the municipalities uh, have generation of their own of different uh, St. George, Santa Clara, Washington, and Hurricane. Deseret's putting uh, a plant in at uh, uh, Fort Pierce uh, that might help Dixie. But in our case, we have 6 megawatts of capacity, and our peak load's about 50. So we could maybe keep some essential services going, uh, those kind of things. But you were talking about one-eighth of what you really need. Yeah, it wouldn't be a fun process. So um, I, I don't foresee that being a huge threat but but that's the potential biggest problem Mm -hmm. that we have and and we're working with the rocky mountain and other uh utilities in the county to uh, maybe bring a different line from the south or along i-15 something like that that would provide not everything in in one corridor I always wanted to ask this, but uh, I don't know the answer, and maybe I'm just a dumb guy, but in the wintertime, we use gas, we use the furnaces, right? Don't those, in order to operate, have to have some electricity to them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, So so if power went out, would our furnaces still work? I don't think they would, would they? No, not, I mean, you need something to run the controls, and typically you got your blower fan. Yeah, so power out, bad. That's I guess correct. I guess that's a, as the powers are as the guy in charge of power for for the for one of our our big cities here in the county Washington that's probably the you know the worst case scenario for you is power out you want to do whatever you can to make that make sure that doesn't happen correct correct and again uh, you know we put redundancy to where mm-hmm. uh, if a transformer goes out or a line goes out that we can reroute power and, and keep it and restore it within a fairly short period of time. Uh, but we are at the the mercy of the transmission provider, which is Rocky Mountain in this case. Uh, and, uh, again, it's not very likely, but we do consider that and prepare for contingency scenarios. We had, uh, about a month ago, we had a raccoon up at our transmitter chewed through a power line. And uh, the raccoon did not make it, by the way, in case you're wondering. You chew through a power line. It's probably not going to be real good for you. But uh, we were our AM was off the air for, for a little while here on KDXU because of a raccoon. How, how common or how possible is it that an animal or a car accident hitting you know, a, a power line or a transformer or whatever, how common is that? Is that, is that something that happened, could happen a lot or is it something that's pretty rare because these are protected? I, I, I don't know, Rick. It happens 
quite regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do, if you look at most of the substations, not just in our utility but others, they put these big gray baskets around the insulators to mm. try to prevent animal uh, contact. But, you know, we probably have four or five of those a year. We had a fox get in one substation a couple of years ago. Fox. He didn't do very well either. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean it's a it's it can be a real problem. Cars probably are our biggest. Where really? people for some reason don't stay on the roadway hmm. uh, for various reasons, uh, and that seems to go in cycles. Uh, like we don't have anything for quite a while, and then it just seems like you have several in a fairly short period. So, uh, what what's the process in Washington City if someone maybe ran into a substation or a power pole or something? Uh, I guess that then go, they go, they call Rick and they say, you know, and at three o'clock in the morning, they say, Rick, we got a, a power outage because somebody ran into a pole or whatever. Then what happens? You just call the, the main city office and one of the options there will be if you have an outage, then we have a 24-7 answering service. And then we have somebody on call at all times. So not necessarily you at three in the morning? Uh, no. Oh, I, okay, I, good. <laughs> Another hour, I'll be up, and you can call me on yeah, that, I guess. Depends but, on how severe it is. And most mm. of the time, the the person on call can take care of it. Uh, but if it gets more severe, we'll call in other people. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, would you say uh, the system is not fragile then? it's there. There are – you know, use that word redundancy. And it's funny because I went to journalism school, and redundancy – in my world, was a bad thing. You did not want to be redundant if you were writing a, a news article. That's that's a bad thing. And then I met Zach Renstrom, the the water uh, manager here in town. Uh, actually, before him, it was uh, Ron Thompson. But uh, and they started talking about redundancy and how it's a good thing. Where you know you may run out of water here, but you're backed up. You have the redundancy. You've got water somewhere else. And I was like, but redundancy is a bad word, right? No, it's not a bad word. And you just mentioned it here. Redundancy is a good thing. That's a backup plan, basically. Correct. And, and again, we generally plan for at least one of, you know, a, a main transformer or something like that failing, that we can restore power through different lines or different transformers to within a fairly short period of time. Okay. How long have you been doing this, by the way, Rick? Uh, well, I've been working for Washington City for about five years, but I've been about 36, 36 years. years in the power industry. So I always like to ask this, and sometimes I hate to take you on the spot, but what's the strangest, weirdest power story that you've come across in, in your 36 years? Is there you know, some, something really weird that's happened, and you're like, I can't believe that happened? We try to avoid weird. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, it wasn't too long after, you know, we talk about cars and hitting poles. It was I'd only been with the city for... I don't know, two, three months, and we had a car go through a pole down 100 East. And so that was a, kind of a little bit of a baptism by fire, and the whole town was out for oh, really? a while uh, because it was on our main feed. And uh, so that, right. that was interesting. Fortunately, nobody was seriously hurt. Uh, the car was gone and the pole was gone, but we uh, uh, spent most of the night getting that back up. Wow. Well, I guess what was Roger the city manager then? Yeah, yeah, he was. And uh, did, did he have to field all the un- angry calls, my powers out calls? <laughs> oh, they Maybe. they came and found us so, some <laughs> of them, but 
Yeah. And most people are great, and they understand. They're just curious and want to know when. Yeah, when and why. That's what they want to know, when and why. Uh, Chris, you've been living in Washington City for 40 years, huh? My whole life. Yeah. Uh, Have you had some power outage experiences in Washington City? Oh, I, I think some neighborhood kids tripped my breaker one time, but other than that, it's been pretty. And it's interesting in Washington, um, you know, I, north of the river, of the Virgin River, okay. is Washington City Power. South of the Virgin River is on Dixie Power. So, you know, two great utilities, two great power companies. Um, one thing I really appreciate about, appreciate about Rick and uh, his leadership, he's really forward thinking about, you know, we have a mix of wholesale resources now from from our baseload power and you know by contractor ownership but moving forward you know we're looking at some some interesting options to to uh to have ownership and and improve our power rates or at least maintain our power rates as we as we all battle this tsunami of inflation but but there's uh there's some a project that we're involved with that uh is a, a carbon free power project that um that we think has the potential to come on by about 2030 that would, uh, you know, really, you know, add capacity and stabilize rates. And so we're excited to be part of that project. So what do you mean by carbon free? So it's, uh, it's called, it's a small cell nuclear. And oh, cool. it's, it's, uh, we're, uh, we are one of the uh, initial investors in that through our, our association with UAMPS. But we, uh, you know, we've had our our power board and some of our officials, you know, travel to Corvallis, and we think this has the potential to be a really uh, great addition. Small scale new, I, I like it, and it's so funny. We talked about this the other day with Jack Lancaster about power. That people hear that word and they're like, "Oh, bombs! Oh, people are going to die! Things are going to blow up!" But and and nuclear is become like it's almost like nuclear. The word needs a uh, PR agent. To try to improve its image. That's, that's for sure. But uh, I mean, if you do your research, you'll find that the nuclear power industry is one of the safest. Incredibly in. safe. Yeah. Uh, and and this new technology, it's it's the same basic uh, nuclear reaction, but it's packaged differently. Hmm. Instead of the large giant domes that you see the pictures of. Yeah. Three Mile uh, Island. Everybody's correct. seen it. Yeah. So th- this project uh, has multiple small, it's called small modular reactors, uh, each of about 77 megawatts, and there'll be six of them. Uh, and it'll be located up in, uh, at the Idaho National Lab outside of Idaho Falls. Okay. Uh, and uh, we're signed up for about 20 megawatts uh, from that plant. So, uh, again, it provides a baseload sustainable uh, one that you can... Uh, ramp up and down to batch the output of solar or solar and wind, which we have wind up in the Idaho Falls area as well that we participate in. Well, right. and we we just Thank approved you. another contract for solar last night with Steel Solar, so you know, we're we're progressing as a utility. We're, we're getting better and better. Take some vision. I guess that you're the vision guy, right, Rick? Well, we do our best. There's, <laughs> there's, a lot All of right. people that help us. Let's get a quick commercial break in. More with Rick Hansen and Chris Saley, Washington City, after this. This is the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 92.5 KDXU. Stay tuned for Clay and Buck coming up next. 
Welcome back. Man, time flies when you're having fun here with Chris Taylor, mayor of Washington City, and uh, is the power manager. I want to call him czar, but uh, I know that's a little presumptuous, right? Uh, Rick Hansen is here. Thanks for coming in, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, we're running short on time. I want to get right to it. Some tips uh, as we go over 100, you know, I mean, you look at the 5-day, the 10-day, they're all over 100 degrees, guys. What can we do to help? not put as big a burden on the power grid to make our bill a little bit smaller. Go ahead. Uh, A couple things you can replace those dirty air filters. You make sure your HVAC system is in good working order. Okay. You know, replace out those old bulbs with, with led and Andy for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Cook this outside is, on the, the one grill. I want to hear. Yeah. Cook outside on the grill Cook during outside. you know those evening hours. And gosh, if you're going to twist my arm, Chris, <laughs> I guess I will. <laughs> Any other ideas? I know uh, turning the oven on, like you said, cooking outside is a lot better idea than heating up your house because then you got to try to cool it back down. Uh, even something as simple. I remember as a teenager, and maybe you guys were like this, maybe not. My One of my favorite things would be to open the fridge door and stand there for five or ten minutes browsing on what I might be able to eat inside that yeah. refrigerator. That's the teenager problem. So. Yeah. 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 Laundry. Laundry is probably another one. Is, is be be uh, thoughtful about when you do your laundry and what, what those peak loads might be doing on the grid. I mean, we, we, you talk about the grid and each of our usage in our individual lives are so, uh, you know, affect that overall grid of the utility. Mm-hmm. And so I think we can all just be mindful Rick, what are what are the peak dates and what are the peak hours that we need to be careful? Generally, uh, the system peaks in Washington County between July 4th and July 24th. So probably, we're in it right now. Right. Generally, probably eight out of ten years. Sometimes it'll be the first or second week in August. Uh, but the peak hours are from probably 4 o'clock to 9 in the evening. Uh Right, when everybody gets home from work exactly. and they want to cool down and put Cook their feet up and, and buy, make food. and Exactly. Mm. So anything you can do to uh, shift your usage off of those times is appreciated and, and uh, will help the overall system. It's funny. I was going to say maybe we should go out to eat, but then you've got to pay for gas, and that's <laughs> 5 bucks a gallon, and I don't know if that's the answer uh, either. So... Uh, Let's see. We got, yeah, we're down to the last minute, guys. Thank you so much for coming in today, Rick. I learned a lot today. You you were you were a good teacher teaching us about peak times and things to do and and where the power uh, comes from. Thank you. Uh, I'm still looking for a funny story though about at, at some point uh, about some experience you had. We'll, we'll get I'll have to, to that. Send you one. Yeah, send me send me one or tell Shelly and, and she'll pass it on okay. to me. Uh, Cress, a big day a week from Saturday. The 24th celebration, actually on the 23rd this year. And I imagine you'll be there around and uh, hitting golf balls or something. (laughs) I'll I'll be there. It'll be a great event. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for coming on today. Really enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the Andy Griffin Show. I'm here every day. I actually come in at 6 a.m. and then uh, do the Andy Griffin Show at 9 o'clock. And uh, tomorrow, don't have a guest. Tomorrow is a phone call day. You guys will drive the show. I'll have a couple of topics prepared as well. Look forward to uh, talking to you then. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow.